Atari presents Mario Brothers. Something's coming up the plumbing. Poor Luigi's in a bind. Killer turtles out to get him. Giant crabs are right behind. Fighter flies, holy cripes, they're coming out of the pipes. Mario, where are you? Another Smash Arcade hit brought home only by Atari for use with the Atari 2600 game system, Sears video arcade systems, and versions exclusively for the Atari 5200 Super System. Exciting two-player action! <laughs> Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. This is where we do random banter. Yeah. Yeah. That is a part. I actually have a random banter to talk about. So this Saturday, I narrowly avoided a cat rapture at my house. A cat rapture? Yeah. Okay. I am intrigued. The cat rapture is basically kind of a thing that I came up with where I pretend to threaten to kill our cats because they've done something when Hillary's not around. And then uh, when she goes, says, oh, I'm coming home later. And it's like, well, what if I don't see the cats? I'm going to wonder where they're at. And I say, oh, oh, man, there was a cat rapture. The cats were raptured. That's where they are. I have to tell you, I am extremely intrigued by this because I, too, hate my wife's cats. Okay, yep. Uh, I I love uh, Hillary's cats, but at the same time, uh, cats can be idiots, and it annoys me. So what uh, caused this almost cat rapture is, okay, so Saturday morning, I wake up, and have you ever gotten waken up and just been tired and angry and hungry, and you're just like, you're just, you start your day and you're miserable? Um, just on the days ending with Y. Okay, and the ones that have vowels and consonants in them? Yeah. Okay, well, so Saturday was one of those days. It was a day. And I get up, and I'm like, all I want to do is just sit quietly and have food. I don't want to have to deal with making anything. Oh, wait, I've got uh, Chinese food left over from yesterday. Oh, that's going to be great. I'll heat it up. I'm going to be real careful. Okay, I'm, I'm babysitting the kiddo, so she's sitting in the front room. So I'm going to have to eat over in there, but I'll be real careful with the food. I don't want to drop any or fling it anywhere. Oh, I'm so hungry. All I want to do is eat this Kung Pao chicken, which I love. And I'm just super excited about that. And, I, you know, it's like I set it down on the ottoman, and I'm real careful not to spill any. Watching the watching the daughter, and Hillary comes in, and she's talking to me, and then uh, Bowie, one of our cats, comes in, jumps up onto the ottoman, missing the ottoman entirely, but does a four foot and a brown star plant in my plate, throwing all the food that I've just been super careful about and just really, really, really wanted all over the ottoman. But now the cat's freaked out because he's landed on something that isn't ottoman. He then springs up about four feet into the air, flinging food everywhere else again, flies up, lands next to the plate now on the ottoman, which sends the plate and food flying everywhere else again, and then he scatters around, and all I'm doing is just staring at him going, why? You see, my only response to this entire story is the fact that I came into your house today, and I still noticed that out of the two cats you have had previously, there are still two cats here. Yeah, I am a failure at cataside. I didn't even try, to be very honest. I was just so disappointed and sad, and then... Uh, grumble muttery and everything while I'm like, well, I just wanted to have breakfast and all that clean up all this food off the floor and I'm just going to break I was gonna, You see, if this was my house, then I would get blamed later on for making such a mess. <laughs> you get blamed for it? <laughs> yeah, uh, there, is a, there is a hierarchy in a house and yeah. cats usually kind of come... Yeah. So what about you? What's been happening? Nothing too exciting except this weekend... 
I'm going to say this now, but I'm probably going to release this a couple weeks down the line. But this weekend, I'm planning on going down south to the Medford Comic Con. Oh, nice. Yes, the Medford Comic Con. I went there last year. It was quite fun. It was quite nice. Yeah, I saw it was small. The, yeah, I saw the, uh, the pictures that you put up of that. It looked great. That yeah. was uh, where you went as uh, Cyclops, right? Nope, nope. That was the Rose City Comic Con. Oh, okay. Uh, this is the. I did not dress up last year. Went down uh, with one of my friends, Chad. We went and saw mutual best friends, Steve and his wife, and stayed the weekend down there. And we're going to do that again. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. it. It's a fun, small little gathering, but it's a. It's a pretty strong fan base. All right, I'm well, actually that... hoping to uh, tell everybody about this podcast. So Okay, so that's really cool. So uh, if anybody from the Medford Comic Con happens to listen to the show, th- throw us a tweet or a response or a like or a share or a... Please. You know, one of those things that... Let us know you're out there. Yeah, let us know you're out there. Let us know that you <laughs> listened. And uh, hey, I hope you had a great convention. They can be a lot of fun. Some point in time, I'm going to drag you down there too. Yeah, I've, I haven't been to conventions in years. I've always enjoyed the ones that I went to and I used to go to sci-fi cons and I'd gone to origins and competed in a U.S. tournament for mage night like a championship which I didn't win but you know that's okay it was fun there are times I forget that you're a little geekier than me yeah I got I got I am uh, yeah I'm geek on the down low <laughs> okay enough of this banter <laughs> <laughs> Jeff can you please give us the two sentence replay of the last episode After the Power Kids get sad about the inventory method the Snarks use on their house, all of them except for Jack get kidnapped. Dun-dun-dun! Jack frees them with the new power of Small, Katie gets a loose tooth, Julie breaks an arm, and Alex refuses the mantle of the G-Bomber by not dropping a single G. Sadness. It was sad. Very sad. Now, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is, Rick? All right, are you ready for this? I am ready for it, and I am excited about it, because every time you break out a beer, it usually puts a smile on my face and uh, well, a beer on my lips, really, which is awesome. That's really what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> fair enough, fair yeah. enough. So here you go, my friend. I'd like to go ahead and hit you with an emotional rescue. Ooh. <laughs> a double India pale ale. Oh, and it's got a weird frog dog. Let me, let me explain this, because you're a little confused right now. I am very confused right now. Very confused right now. We're going to go ahead and start off by saying that the name of this issue is Rescue. But let me, let's talk about this label a little bit, because there is a creature on this label that is gnawing on a branch. It has the legs of a frog, the body and head of a dog, the arms of a human... And the behavior of a beaver. No, it's got a beaver tail, too. It's uh, It's got a head of a dog, but the body is a, of a beaver. Mm-hmm. Why does everything come back to beavers? You got it. <laughs> yes, I have somehow brought beavers back to the podcast. This is, this yeah. is a... pat. Th- this guy's name is... Padubadub. 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 Labrador. Plus beaver. Plus frog. Keep up with Padubadub, the lively hop girl of Crazy Mountain. This high ABV beer gets its flavor from adding mosaic hop twice in the boil, plus an additional dry hop. You end up with the bitter beer, slightly mellowed by melon, molasses, and raisin flavors. I'm going to have you guess what the ABV on this is. Oh, I, oh as a wild guess, because I looked at the label, I'm going to say nine. You know, sometimes you're a killjoy. Yeah, uh... <laughs> Also, your surprise party will be. <laughs> nope. Also, we also have 100 IBU. It is very hoppy. It smells good. Mm-hmm. It does. It kind of. I gotta say though, th- this this picture is just 
this is the bomb. Yeah, that is a crazy looking critter. Once again, I have I've done this mostly because of the name. I was going for something with rescue in it. This was pointed out to me by my friend Jake, who went with me to John's Marketplace. Actually, Jake and his girlfriend Katie, and Jake was the one who spotted this. And so, cheers to Jake for finding this for me. Yes. So, ah. Oh, that is a that has got a creep up taste. I put it in, and I'm kind of like, oh, that's that's not too IPA, that's not too hoppy, and then it kind of. I, I I'm gonna say right now, I'm not feeling the rescue. I'm kind of feeling emotional, <laughs> but then I always am, because mm. I have a big heart. <laughs> I you see, I I got the uh, the condition that the Grinch got for Christmas, but it's year round, so my heart just perpetually grows. If you ever see me, I'm tiny little legs and a giant heart. I, I thought that you had the uh, condition of the Grinch uh, saying that you have green skin. Oh, and. Well, yeah, and I steal people's trees. <laughs> and the fact that I'm a serial <laughs> robber and I've robbed uh, small towns of all their joy before. Because I left. Because they were very sad to see me go. Because it was a lot of fun. Jeff, would you please read the opening credits? You believe it. Power Pack. Issue number four. November 1984. Rescue. Credits. Written by Louise Simonson. Penciled by June Brigman. Inked by Bob Wycheck. Lettered by Joe Rosen. Colored by... Glennis Ween, edited by Carl Potts, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. After the escape of our heroes, the captain of the Snarkship is not a happy camper. In fact, he is demonstrating his poor leadership skills by tossing a subordinate into a console after monologuing a recap. Crash! You know, the amount of damage the ship has taken over the past four issues, I'm amazed it's actually flying. I agree. If they were not so evil, I would swear that they had a MacGyver or a Scotty on their maintenance team. My assumption is that the ship has arms that we haven't seen yet that are uh, making all the repairs off-panel. This sadly makes sense to me. The subordinate snarks get the message and are scouting the ship for the wayward waifs who are hiding in some amazing pipework. Say what you will about this high-tech marvel, they have some insane plumbing going on here. This reminds me more of Nightcrawler's gym in the Danger Room. Unfortunately, it's some shoddy design work, and it can't hold the weight of Julie. Quick. To be fair, Jack is cloudy, and Alex has zero-G'd himself and Katie. But following some light bickering, and Katie stating that she is just wiggling her loose tooth, there is a... Crack. As a pipe gives way, and Julie falls into a searching snark who fires a random shot into the abused snark ship... Scuck cow. The aggravated alien assaults Julie's injured arm, causing her to pass out, and Jack to react with his patented jackhammer to the snark's head. Thud. He needs to make t-shirts, or would it be bad for a secret identity? Doesn't matter. I can already see the shirt design. A cloud turning into a tiny Jack image, and the slogan, You just got jackhammered by the mighty mass master! Yeah. <laughs> I want that shirt. <laughs> I really kind of do. I want the shirt to announce that in that voice. I want no. I want them to announce it in that voice said by like you know Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you feel what the mess master's cooking? Wow, that is just. Yeah. Oh, I just went into like <laughs> that's that that Man Randy Savage. Yeah, doing some of the rock slides. That's oh my god, we got off topic. Okay, <laughs> Alex picks up his stunned sister, and the rest of the kids scramble. Katie powers up by absorbing the alien's ray gun as she dodges the other aliens blast. But thanks to some cloud cover from the grouchy gas master, they make it into an elevator with only a grazing shot to Alex's shoulder. Scrat. Scrow. Scrow the remaining guard radios the bridge and informs the captain that the children are heading up in the elevator. He is then told that when they reach the bridge, they will receive a warm welcome. 
Bum, bum, bum! The power pack takes stock of their situation. It's bad. They are able to wake Julie, and they check on Alex's shoulder, and Katie announces... Hey, my tooth! I lost my tooth! Alex, can the tooth fairy find me here? Jack tells Katie not to be dumb, because only babies believe in tooth fairies. What a jerk! Before Katie can really try to digest this fake news, the door is open to a clutch of angry snarks who yell, FIRE! Katie reacts by dropping her tooth, Chink! And then goes full-on death blossom as she unloads on the firing fiends! Scracked, scrowl, shrack. Is that a callback to the ad we read on episode two? Maybe? One of her powerballs nails the ship's overabused control panel, and we are treated to an amazing onomatopoeia. Boom! And the hits keep on coming! Katie has fallen over backwards, and, because she is nervous and a bit of a klutz, has disintegrated a hole in the floor and falls through. Julie dives after her down the elevator shaft as Katie, still scared, lets off another couple of blasts. Shrek. Boom. Now we have the elevator falling trope. Rumble, rumble. Alex starts to slow the elevator, announcing that he is doing so with his... What kind of powers does he have, Rick? G? Yeah, that's right. G powers! Take a drink. And Julie hauls Katie up into a hole in the shaft just in time. The girls watch in horror as the elevator, and presumably the boys, smashes to the bottom. Rumble, rumble. Crash! Spoiler alert, the boys are all right, and Jack somehow finds Katie's tooth. The Snarks capture the boys with a tractor beam coming from what looks like a supersized Dyson shop vac. As the girls escape into the very spacious diehard ducks, now we have a real alien story, just to mix our movie metaphors. Hey, did you ever play Alien Isolation? Nope. I found it terrifying. You're on a derelict space station with no weapons, wandering around in a first-person shooter, crawling in dark ducts and corridors, just waiting for an alien to jump out and suck your spinal fluid. Yeah. I stopped playing because I was just tired of being afraid all the time. Uh, when did you have time to play that? Oh, like midnight, when the rest of the family was asleep in my basement with the lights off. Ah, I think I see the issue. As the girls managed to avoid some laser fire... Scracked. Scrowl. Scrackowl. They discover a vent that allows them to crawl into another corridor and into a roving guard unit. Julie reacts and does a flying open palm strike to one snark, knocking him into the blaster shot of the other. Scrack. That's some serious, like, Crab Maga move right there. <laughs> Katie follows up with a powerball to the other guard's blaster, causing the guard to run away, screaming for reinforcements. The girls are amazed at what just happened. They can't believe that the Snarks are scared of them. Can you imagine what these kids could accomplish with, like, a couple of self-defense classes at the Y? Yeah, and woohoo! They find the wrapped-up bundles of what they assume are their parents. It, funny side. What if they unwrap them later on, and they discover that they're someone else's parents? Mom! Dad! We rescued... Uh, who are you? <laughs> Awkward! But then, they hear the stomping feet of the reinforcements. Clump, clump, clump. They know they don't have time to cut their parents free or move them, so Katie pulls out her favorite standby and starts to disintegrate the floor. Most superhero teams, they go like full-on Kool-Aid man or just bust through the walls instead of using doors. Katie takes this and them to a whole new level. Uh, you get it? Level? Get it? I hate everything about you right now. Meanwhile, the boys find themselves floating along, trapped in a beam. But don't you worry, none. They are forming themselves there a plan. Alex drops a G. Yeah! Mm, take a drink. Gee, that's good. And tells Jack to enact his cleverly conceived off-panel stunt. Jack clouds up. And drops Katie's tooth because he's not discovered the pocket in his uniform like Julie has. Chink! And Alex switches on his G powers. Oh. Wow, that's back to back. 
Clinky. And he pulls a blob. Uh, wait, a blob? Yeah, from X-Men. Nothing moves the blob! Okay, sure. <laughs> that was from the, the the quarter arcade game, right? The boss fight with the blob? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I can really feel the girth. No, that's just me. <laughs> well, the snarks are unable to pull him off without taking the wall down. Fair enough. The unsuspecting operator of the tractor beam is jackhammered to sleepy time tea land, and our cloud boy puts his video game prowess to good use as he uses the machine to smack another guard and mobilize two other guards with the tractor beam. Dang, Jack got skills. And his mom probably told him that wasting quarters at the arcade, probably playing the X-Men arcade game, would never lead to anything good. Oh wait, that was my parents. Oh, that's too bad. But you've made it this far. Yes, and now I'm the host of a podcast. Yes, a, a very good podcast. My mommy's so proud of me. My mommy's proud of me, too. She says I'm the best podcasty person ever. Does your mom know you're podcasting? Uh, she thinks it's something on the radio. Okay. Luckily, they have found Friday with a quick... Crash! Alex accomplishes a Ben Kenobi and disables a tractor beam holding the Millennium Falcon in the death... I mean, Smartship Friday in the snark ship. Obi-Wan did it a little quieter and without picking up and dropping a snark fighter onto it to destroy the tractor beam machine. But on cue, the girls appear from above, asking for Alex to help them move the parents. Laser blast signal, more guards approaching. Scracked. Scrowl. Scrackow. Scrack. And the master of obfuscation clouds up the room to allow his family to get into the safety of Friday. But Jack then goes solid, to the amazement of the other three, as he reaches down and picks up something from the deck before diving into the spaceship. With them all aboard, Friday points out one small problem. They don't have the correct remote for the big garage door on the side of the snark ship. Oh! No problem for our little destructive five-year-old. With some serious concentration, Katie shoots off a powerball. A big powerball. A giant powerball. Cue the sound effect. Boom. They escape, and a mess of snarks are also being pulled into space. <laughs> Sucks for them. I see what you did there. I regret nothing! Luckily, they shut the blast doors before they lose too many, or in fact, any red shirts. Close the blast doors! Close the blast doors! Crack! Slam! Crash! Did we just mix our pop culture metaphors? Yes-ish. Again? Yes, still yes-ish. All is looking great for the kids. Issue over, everything's hunky-dory. Except that the giant snark mothership waiting for them outside. Friday is caught in a new tractor beam and all starts to look helpless. Jack takes this time to tell Katie that he lied about the tooth fairy. That's okay, Jack. It doesn't matter now. I lost my tooth anyway. Aww. Jack then surprises her with the tooth that he picked up before they left. And then, cue the sound effects again. Ba-boom! The cavalry has arrived. A mess of other chameleon smart ships start shooting at the snark mothership. Friday is ordered to take off, and he does. But then, in front of the window, an older pony boy appears. Kind of like Whitey, but with a goatee. <laughs> he looks like a goat with a goatee. <sighs> Insert groan sound effect here. Uh, so he introduces himself as Byral, a chameleon truth sifter. He wants to find out what the H.E. double horsehead staffs happened to Alefire Whitemane. Power Pack breaks down the why behind Whitey's sacrifice. This impresses the old goat face. During their discussion of the rights and wrongs of intergalactic law, Jack commits the most horrible offense in the known universe. What? He drops a G-bomb. So, I'm confused. A G-bomb has been dropped, but not by Alex. Should we count it? No, it's Alex or nothing for this shtick. But I will take a respect drink. To you, Jack. 
Friday is pulling farther away from the fleet, so they all start saying goodbye. And apparently, the Chimelians are going to give them the smart ship and allow them to keep their powers. I mean, what the? Byroll also makes another comment that Julie catches. He mentions that he loves them and considers them his grandchildren. Julie completes this logic puzzle and deduces that Whitey was Byroll's son. His only son, in fact. Julie feels bad that they have Friday and he has nothing that will remember them by. But Katie has herself an idea. As she hands Byrol her tooth, she says, I was saving it for the tooth fairy, but I'd rather you had it. I love you, grandfather. Apparently, a quick download of Friday's database has clued in the goateed grandfather, and he exclaims that this is a treasure beyond price as he fades away. Wait, wait, wait. If I'm reading this correctly, Whitey died. Yep. The kid's got some cool powers. Yep. And some sweet clothes. Yep. And a spaceship. Yep. And Whitey's dad got one of Katie's baby teeth? Yep. So? <laughs> I'm just saying that I would have held out for a little more. Like a crayon drawing or a lame pottery ashtray. Well, they were pressed for time. Yeah, that's a good point. Later, the kids are chilling on some cushions as Friday cruises them back to Earth. Katie is sleeping, of course. The parents are still wrapped up for... Plot convenience or something. And to conserve air. Katie wakes up and hears a... Clink! And finds a sweet gold coin with Byro's picture on it. This thing is as big as a moon pie. Mmm, moon pie. And we leave the issue with a gobsmacked Jack grumbling that the Tooth Fairy never gave him anything that nice. That's cause you never believed in her. And light years away, a chameleon sorcerer smiles. Next issue, homecoming. We got some space fighting. Hooray! Yay! What did you think about the space fighting? It's spaceships. It's They're shooting, they're doing stuff. That's always kind of cool. One of the things that was really neat is that after they escape the snark ship, they show a little infographic on like Friday's screen saying, yeah. okay, we got away from the snark ship, but now we have the mothership to deal with. And it shows like the mothership. Say the mothership is like a foot long on their screen. Yeah. And then the snark cruiser is like five inches long on the screen and then the and then friday's ship on this little infographic is like a half inch long <laughs> it's like oh cool i have scale now this is kind of neat hey we are a tiny little bug in this thing yeah we're a honda uh, accord and that guy's driving an aircraft carrier <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was gonna say too <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice to have some scale. I like the fact that they do have the blast door problem, that they blast a hole in the ship and they all get sucked out, that there is some dog fighting going on, just a little bit. We got a, just a couple pages of it. Yeah, you get to see uh, what other chameleon ships look like. I think you just, what, twice, once? Yeah, okay, yeah. You get to see a couple of what the other ships look like. They're mm. very reminiscent of what Friday looks like, except vaguely different. So that is really helpful a description. How about this? They got guns. They got guns. It, it looks like the kids are coming out pretty darn sweet on this issue. Because I yeah. mean they, they got the powers, they got yeah. they got the ship. It's like they're getting all this stuff. I am still confused why they didn't say, hey, you know what, we are going to escort you back to Earth, drop you off, and then we're gonna take this really expensive smart ship back home with us or more probably it's like hey we're gonna escort you back to chameleon space due to the simple fact that one of our people's died you have their powers and you seem to be in their ship uh i could kind of see it you know so that makes more sense to me but yeah you know, as established in like the very first page the very first issue mm -hmm. if uh ale fires anything like any of the other members of his race they're super chill yeah yeah they they, they do seem 
pretty pretty laid back. They got the flowing robes going on. Like I said, he's got this you know sweet little goatee. Cool for, uh, for, horse head staff. For horse head staff. Yeah. So it's it's it could just be the fact that okay they've done a little. Friday told them everything that was yeah. going on, and they're like yeah okay that makes sense. And Friday's choosing to stay with you. All right. I, I guess I'm okay with. It. The only other thing I have to mention on this is is talking about the fighting and everything is these four kids versus highly trained soldiers. Okay, these are highly trained soldiers that were on a Junker vessel, so I'm going to guess they're probably... I'm, I'm still not sold on the Junker vessel. They, well, they talked about that it was under-maintained, so I'm going to guess it's kind of a McHale's Navy thing. Yeah, but they were sent out there to to pick up this, this device. They okay. knew this device was there. I consider this a bit of a crack squad team. I really do. I just am thinking, they got hosed by four underage kids... No combat training, who are brand new to their powers. They got the luck on their side or something, man. Well, here's well, here's how it was kind of working out. It was like, you notice any time that the Snarks were organized, they sent out their fighter craft, they had their nets, they got their hands because they yeah. were sophisticated in space. Uh, they were able to, they captured three people. They captured everybody but a cloud. So if they were organized, they're doing good. When the kids were really uh, stomping on the Snarks' heads really yeah. well, they were in groups of two to four. Yeah, in a group, we're great. But, hey, I wasn't expecting to find you falling on me from some pipes. Of course you're going to kick my butt. You know, the two soldiers that approached the two girls in the hallway, and the girls just reacted, and the these trained soldiers failed in everything. They failed in morale check. They, they failed everything. Yeah. These it, kids got lucky. These kids got very lucky. Very lucky. They got very, very lucky. They're also pretty destructive, and so uh, I could also see why, like, a snark warrior would be kind of like, yeah, they've destroyed our command you know, like our control room. One of them is destructive. Okay. Katie has crawled, you know, crawled under some equipment, like the first issue, and ate their control panel. Okay, great. Third issue was it Jack? The second, uh, Jack. Jack goes through, busts a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, in fact, in this issue, Katie shoots a, an energy ball into the yeah. control panel that she disintegrated before. Uh, in you know, earlier, Alex dropped a car on their <laughs> control room and just you know, and it's like this is their, their control room has just been hammered beyond belief. So they're kind of like, like I said, hey, anytime these kids do anything, our control room blows up and we like, go spinning. Like crazy. I said, MacGyver or Scotty. I yeah. mean, they, they got to have somebody on the some poor schmuck maintenance guy who's sitting there like. I'm doing all I can, Captain. I can't keep it together anymore. Wait, let me see if I can do this with a snark voice. Yeah. I'm doing all the best I can, Captain. I'm doing. I can only do so much. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's snark, snarky, snarky. It, it's it's a Scottish version of a snark. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can't do it. It's, it's the only snark. I with can't a, do it, Captain. <laughs> it's the only snark with a full beard and a kilt. Coming down from the highlands to work on the ship, Captain. <laughs> I am. Horrible at doing voices. I don't know what I am doing doing a podcast. Oh, this is you, hilarious. Do you want? Do you want to hear my generic uh, accent? Yes. For everything. <clears throat> okay. Here it goes. Uh, name any country. Um, Afghanistan. It's me. I'm a Mario, and I'm a speak in the Afghanistan. Okay. Now another one. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and do Italy. It's me. It's a Mario, and I'm speaking with the Italy. Okay. Uh, Russian. It's me. I'm a Mario, and I'm a speaking the Russian. So that is my generic accent. You know what? You you are you are a world traveler, my friend. I actually am, and uh, it, no one at all that I've encountered have found it insulting <laughs> when I didn't do that to them. I just spoke loudly and slowly at them because I'm an American. <laughs> no, you you spoke loudly and slowly at them because you're American. American. Drop that a like a good American. Story element question for you. Mm -hmm. You were talking a little bit before that you were kind of thinking that the Snarks have a bad day. Oh, the Snarks do have a very bad day. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, you remember how Stan, the Watchman, had a really bad night and a bad night for a Watchman? 
Oh yeah, my friend TJ, he he hilariously uh, named that a bad night for a night watch. Yeah, he wrote us in and told me about that. Yeah, that's great. I love that name. So thank you, TJ. And heads up, I'm stealing it. It's mine now. <laughs> so uh, how about how about since we're gonna do a, a Snarks had a bad day, let's uh, let's call this one. It's a hard Snarks life for, for us. It's, it's a, a hard Snarks life for us. What's going on with this Snark in his bad day? Well, let me tell you. His name is Scrod, or as he refers to himself, Snark7. We are on a mission that will bring glory to the Queen Mother. All we have to do is capture some of these primitives and bring them back to her. Bam! You were just beamed with a flashlight. Ow! Now you're just punched in the snout. Ah! I know the answer to this one. Hatchling fling. That will take care of this problem. Well, that didn't work. Better leg it. Ha ha ha! We caught some of the hatchlings. Um, what? A rainbow just hit me and a glowing child destroyed my breastplate and our control panel? The ship is spinning out of control! And then the hatchlings got away! We could catch them again if it wasn't for all this fog! Glad we have their parents! Oh, we damaged their brains and the annihilator has been destroyed. <sighs> oh, what happens now? Oh, great! Yes, our bridge was destroyed by a car from a child dropping it. Well, at least we caught some of the hatchlings again. <laughs> oh, nope. They got away after a tiny child stomped on my head. Guess I'll tell my commander what's going on. And and then he chucked me into war and threatened me. Ow! <laughs> the same hatchling stomped me in the head again. Ah, but good. We caught some of them again. No way they can escape this time. <sighs> And on cue, they escaped and trapped me in my own tractor beam. Uh, today sucks and can't get any worse. I'm being sucked into space! <laughs> so anyway, uh, Scrod's been having a bad couple of days. And, um... And there you go. That's kind of a rundown of what happened to him. <laughs> I, how's your voice doing the race? <laughs> oh, it's, it's fine. This is how I talk to my kid. This is the lullaby voice that I sing my daughter to sleep with. Go to sleep, pleasant dreams. I will be there while you're dreaming. And I wear clown makeup, and I have a strobe light going, and then I throw firecrackers at her. This is the reason why your baby just kind of has this perpetually terrified look on her face all the time. Yeah. Oh, that would explain it. Oh my gosh. I thought it was all the loving loving and caring that her mom gives her. You're a bad father. I'm a bad lots of things, man. I am moving this I am moving this stroller of fear away from that. I want to talk a little bit about Chekhov's tooth. Chekhov's tooth? Chekhov's tooth. Okay, I'm going to say question mark. Do you know what Chekhov's gun is? Uh, oh, yes. Oh, Chekhov's tooth. Yeah, Chekhov's, Chekhov's tooth. Chekhov's gun is uh, if you show a gun in a scene, in a play, that by first the act, first act, act, that by the th what is it, third, third act, act, that gun has to be used. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, the, I guess the reoccurring Chekhov's item was a tooth instead of a gun this time. Just throwing another literary reference, the MacGuffin that was introduced in this in issue three is then tracked through the entire this entire issue. And the MacGuffin is... The tooth. The 80s tooth, yeah. yeah. Okay, this thing should have been lost, like, how many times? A bunch, but at the same time, it kind of, it stayed in the elevator. You know, it was in the elevator, that's where Katie dropped it. The, the elevator, elevator dropped from, like, let's go ahead and be conservative and say seven to eight decks. Okay, but slowly. 
because of because of G. It still crashed. It, yeah. There was still a mess down there. Yeah. You have got parts. You've got the equivalent to a snark hex bolt. <laughs> and those suckers, they don't use metric. They do not use metric, okay? <laughs> you have them just scattered everywhere, okay? And Jack flies down and, hey, I got me a tooth. Yeah. Uh, they took the luck stat. They, they it, either jacked they, the luck stat or they took the luck feet. They have weighted 20-sided dice is what I'm saying. Oh, oh, that would explain a lot of why they're very successful. The weighted 20-sided dice. Oh, could you see this? Travis McElroy's got nothing on these people. Could you, could you see this as a D&D game where it's just like, wow, that's an awful lot of 20s you roll in there, Jack. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's like, what are, you, what are you trying to say? I rolled them naturally. I just rolled that dice. I got a 20. I'm going to roll this dice again. I got another 20. Uh, why do you use one of those crystal clear dice and never fill in the numbers? It's my 20-sided dice. It's, I, I Don't worry. I know where all the numbers are. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a 20-sider. Ergo, it rolled a 20. Uh, I think that's from Guys and Dolls when they're playing craps and, and guy pulls out some dice and, hey, there's no, there's no pips on those dice. Don't worry. I, I had them removed, but don't worry. I know where they're all at. <laughs> I, I thought you'd like Chekhov's tooth. I do like Chekhov's tooth. That's great. The end of this issue. So is this plot convenience or what? But would you unwrap the parents? Personally, yes. I would unwrap my parents because it's like, oh, I wanted to rescue them and let's unwrap them because, you know. I would capture. too. I would too just for the simple fact that, hey, my dad's a scientist and we are in space. It's also the aspect too of like, it's mommy and daddy. Yeah. And I want them to be free. And it's, I want to tell them about what's happened. I've got a cool costume. And you know what? Here's the thing. If the kids don't want to tell them they have to, they've got powers, they don't have to. No. Not a problem. They could just say, we hey, were captured by aliens we're and now space. we're free. And, you know, it's not like wasting air or food or anything. They could have done that and got them up and awake just in time to say, look, Earth. We're in atmosphere. Okay, here's why Friday said that they should keep them wrapped up anyway. It's they said, oh well, they, they'll consume they'll consume oxygen and food, and we don't have enough of that. You're an interstellar starship, man, and where you were, you're it's looking like you're next to Earth. You're like you know you're in like international spaceship orbit kind of thing. Friday's and, gaslighting them. Yeah, it really kind of is. But it, it's just oh we you know it'd be like oh. Yeah, I'd go out to the garage, but it's so far. It's all the way over there. It's all the way over there. You're a starship, man. You can get there fast. So yeah. no, I, I just I, it's a fairly flimsy excuse, but I can also understand it's it's for plot. It's to just say, okay, we're not going to unwrap parents. We're not going to tell them that we got powers. This is our secret. Maybe we'll tell them later. Fine, fair enough. Jeff, Mister Cowboy Science, mm -hmm. can you explain some stuff to me? Uh, I can try. All right, let's go ahead and mosey on into Science Corner. <laughs> I just keep on moving those things out for you. <laughs> uh, you keep on trying, buddy. You keep All on right. trying. I'm going to keep on trying. Viral appears to them. Yes. Hologram or real? That is super hard to tell because when he first appears uh, in front of them, he's outside of the ship. Okay, fine. He, you know, sparkles appear and he starts talking to him. Yeah. He's in the vacuum of space. I, I'm going to correct you. Those are space sparkles. Okay, he's space sparkles emanate and a horse boy appears. And horse man. man. Horse man. <clears throat> so he appears in front of them. He's outside of the ship, but he's yeah. having a conversation with them. And then 
a couple of panels later, he's inside the ship okay. and having a conversation with right. him. And then I think he physically interacts with the kids. He takes Katie's tooth. Yeah, Katie hands him a tooth. Yep, and he uh, takes the tooth. Let's go ahead and do a no prize explanation on this. And for those of you that don't know, uh, this is an old Marvel Comics tradition where there's a continuity error or something that's really not explained well at all. And people would write in frequently to Marvel Comics and say, hey, this thing here that you did, this don't make any sense. The people writing in would come up with some explanation for Marvel to say, this is what happened to make this make sense. And Marvel say, yes, that is completely right. You win our no prize because they were not going to, they're so cheap. They would not give anything to people, but they would award them a no prize in writing. Okay. <laughs> so let's go ahead and no prize this a bit. How do you think this happened? Okay, by default, I'm going to say chameleon sorcery. Okay, and I've this, got something better. Okay, I'm gonna uh, let me continue on with this. So uh, they say that uh, Byrol is a truth sifter, mm-hmm. whatever that can mean. But it means that say one of his power sets is that he can he can teleport, he can he can uh, project. So okay. he projects an image of himself. He, he astral projects. Okay, is what he's doing, where he can send say his essence out to wherever it is and it can survive in space and whatever and then it can interact with people and it can also transport stuff back so uh let's just say that he has a projection ability okay and that that's tangible and can interact and you know can i'm go back into wherever it's at i'm willing i'm willing to accept it i'm mm-hmm. willing to accept it i was going to say it might be something as simple as it's a hologram but they've got some limited level of of uh teleportation that they can do okay. so when she puts that in his hand, then Byrol's like, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and just teleport this over to where I am. I came up with, I just figured out an even better answer, but I'm going to finish yours. So, well, that, that's kind of it. That's okay. teleportation. My new answer is unstable molecules. Because everything in Marvel works on unstable molecules. Whatever you need it to do. I like your first one. I like mine. I don't like that one. Okay. <laughs> I think if they really, uh, I think if they were pushed for an answer, they'd just be, uh, unstable molecules. But I will say that your answer actually helps me with my other question I had. With with such advanced technology, they still have this problem with, you know, uh, transmitting over a distance because... The reason why Byrol disappears at the end here is because, oh, you guys are too far away. I'm losing a... We're freaking up. I'm going through a space tunnel. Yeah, pretty much. Your answer actually makes more sense. He has this power to project himself out in a hologram type form. It's not their technology that has a range. It's him that has a range. And that, I could see he has that issue because different things. Alex being pulled and taking the wall with him. Mm -hmm. Now, he's got the power to affect gravity correct okay so we got a couple different people we got Mm spider-man who can actually he's got the power to grip onto walls he's clingy he's clingy and so emotionally and otherwise and and we also mentioned earlier on this episode the blob Mm -hmm. the blob has the power that when he sets himself nothing can move him it is part of his mutant powers he basically just sticks to whatever surface and people have moved him by ripping up the ground with him Alex is kind of, they're playing with Alex's power closer to what the Blob and yep. Spider-Man are, but that's not right. Uh, he's doing it less for Spider-Man. It, in fact, what's funny is the fact that when you know this question was posited, I was kind of like, oh, he's pulling a Blob, mm-hmm. which is a great reference back to what you had said, right. which means that he is just saying, my gravity is here. 
it's wherever I'm saying my feet are. That's that's <clears throat> my you know my downward gravity, which happens to be a wall. And so he's now spreading this force of gravity around him, much like the blob does. Blob's power basically is that he nothing moves the blob, and that's because he drops like his center of gravity like ten feet below him in sure. the earth. So that way you're kind of fighting Earth to move anything. <clears throat> and I know, yeah, I know it's going to reference the fact Colossus has picked him up once by, yeah, right. lifting up a big chunk of dirt with him. Yeah, I think he's just pulling a blob and he's just spreading it out and saying, my gravity is here if you want me. Yeah, it, it, but who knows? The Starks are also kind of just going, hey, we'll pull the wall down if we max this out anymore because they know what their ship's sure. tolerances are, which are like a 56-pound boy. But, I mean, we're, we're also still saying, too, that he is he is anchoring himself to that wall. Yeah. Is this how gravity works? Uh, Yeah, you can have... <sighs> Sure, it's a comic. It's comic science. Uh, yeah, but I like trying to throw realism in here whenever okay, possible. Uh, let's say yes. Alex has uh, said this position is my is my down. Uh, I am going to counter whatever gravity pull you're giving on me with the exact same amount of gravity. You want to keep turning it up? I can keep turning it up too. So we'll say yes. That's how science works. Okay. All right. If, I'm good with it. If you're a 12 year old blonde kid with uh, alien sorcerer powers, <laughs> touche, my friend. <laughs> You have a science update for I us. I do have a science update. Uh, please give us a science update. Okay, so um, in this issue, Jack says that he weighs 60 pounds. And we had previously been guessing at his weight. We've been saying, I've been just kind of going, oh, he's he's 56 pounds. I think I came up with that by looking up what an average boy of that age range was. Okay, so. yeah, we've been, we've been bouncing around 57, 56 pounds. We don't really know. That sounds about right. I was going to make a gallons joke and 56 turns into seven gallons, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. But in this issue, he says that he weighs 60 pounds. And so I can give you an updated, more accurate, how big a cloud can Jack make from our last episode. So with this info and a little math, we find out that he gains an additional 125,000 cubic feet of volume than what we came up with in the last episode. And now, in total, he takes up over 1.9 million cubic feet of space. This would make a cloud that, if it was a cube, you know, cube-shaped like we had discussed in the last issue or episode, its sides would be over 124 feet in length in each one of those. And this functionally isn't much bigger than the 122 feet per side that I had said last time, but still, more accuracy, more science, more cloud. So, all in all, it's a good thing. Cool. Another good thing about this is that I got the chance to look up who did the original research on how much a cloud weighs, which we had talked about last time because you had asked me, you said, who right. did this? And I'm like, the person. Because you failed. I did fail. Well, I You got, did not cite your work. I did not cite my work. Bad scientist. Yeah, very bad scientist. I haven't footnoted anything in a while. I can footnote it now. Her name is Peggy Lamont, and she is a researcher at the National Center for Atmospheric Research. So... Prost to you, Peggy, and thanks. This is our final thought area, and this is where we talk about various pieces of the comic book that we really loved and enjoyed. Let's talk about the refrigerator gallery. What piece of artwork in this book needs to be put on the family refrigerator? It's sort of a throwaway piece of artwork, but on page six... Page six. I don't know what calls to me about it, but it's this upshot of an elevator shaft. And it's, it's just all these, uh, you know, just all the lines and cabling and kind of, you know, the, the behind the scenes look of this elevator that you're looking up at. And it's a very uh, kind of a forced perspective. It's the disappo- disappearing vantage point. Huh. And I just really like it. Hmm. So it, it was just, I kept on flipping through the issue and I'm yeah. like, maybe this is a good piece of art. Man, I, I like that elevator. Well, how about this one? I, I really like this elevator. I did not even recognize that. That that's a good choice. I, I really like that. You're right. It's it's kind of the background for the scene of the kids in the elevator talking. It's where uh, Katie loses her tooth. It's where they wake Julie up. It's the background. I didn't. Yeah. I don't even know if I even noticed it the first time through. But you're right. That is quite quite interesting. Quite yeah, it, nice. It just kept drawing my eye. 
I, I like that. I've got one backup one. It's actually on the next page, funny enough. Okay, so page seven. Page seven. And I call this one Boom. <laughs> so this is where the elevator doors have opened. Katie freaks out, shoots this giant fireball at the control panel, and it says Boom. And you have the sound effect of Boom and big black block letters in the background. It's all white. These big block letters of boom on this white background. You see three snarks that are flinging around in front of the boom, all in this highlighted yellow color. No other colors besides yellow and black and white. And you see the four kids that are kind of like in a off-kiltered elevator shaft, and they're all falling down, and Katie is saying... Yeah! <laughs> it's just kind of cool. I just, it really, it's just kind of cool. <laughs> No, that's a good one. I like the way that looks. Did you have any other ones? Because I had my favorite one. You know, uh, no, that's that's Kitty having her tooth out is on the same page as the elevator one. There's a lot of good art in here. This is a good uh, issue. Yeah. Everything's solid. Nothing else really kept... I just kept going back to the elevator. So the art in it's great, but I don't have any of them. My first place one was what I called Fairy Gold, and it's the last panel uh... of the book. And it's the one where Katie's there. Her tooth's out. She's got a big old black spot in her yeah. mouth. You got Jack Jaw hanging to the floor, and Katie's holding up this moon pie gold coin and it's it's just perfect it's this giant gold coin jack looks gobsmacked it's quite and this, it's, it's a good pit yeah goof, goofy little smile that's it's, good it's pretty cool rubber and glue moment what was the best or most childish insult okay the one that i really really like is but you've only got one yeah i just got one there was I, there were several in there yeah uh but i'm just picking the favorite I'm, I'm going to go and throw out my backup because I got two. I got my okay. backup and my first place one. My backup was page 20. Oh, you're going to pick mine. Oh, really? Okay, yep. I'll let you go ahead and do it then. Okay. Uh, I'm going to guess that you picked mine. Uh-huh. Because it's probably not Jack Sangji. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is Katie on page 20, and she is, uh, well, she's talking to Jack, basically, uh, and she says, But your tongue, Bean Brain. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I like that one the best. My, my comment on that was, it's kind of out of character for her. Well, it is in the family calling each other yeah, something brain, bonzo it, brain and it's, stuff it's like just, that. It's just, I don't know, bite your tongue, bean brain. It, it doesn't quite seem like Katie's voice, but I like it. It just yeah. doesn't seem like Katie's voice. How about this? She lost a tooth. She's maturing. She's getting up to her siblings level of, uh, <laughs> of okay. insults. I, I have, I have um, as a rebuttal, I'm going to go back to page five. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, this is Jack... Calling Katie a dingbat. Oh, okay. I yeah. mean, we're going back to all in the family here yeah. with this one. But I mean, he's calling his sister a dingbat. And this is because she just disintegrated the uh, the, the laser. Yeah. So, yeah, because he's like, I could have used that gun. Yes. And she's all like, well, you're a cloud. You can't use a gun anyway. He's like, I wouldn't be a cloud if I had a gun. Dingbat. Yeah. <laughs> That brings us to stars in detention. We need to identify the child who was the best... And, or, the worst in this issue. Alright. Uh, my star is, uh, darn it if he doesn't just keep on popping up. Jack. Yep. Yeah. I got him too. Yeah, Jack uh, did a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Uh, especially when he, like, you know, oh, they're captured by the by the tractor beam. It's like, okay, Alex says go. Now it's time to cloud out. Jackhammer a guy. Yep. Grab the control panel. Smack a dude with the uh, with the Dyson arm, and then trap like three other snarks with the tractor beam. I mean, yep. just for that alone, he would just be all, "What up?" <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> 
I have written down, uh, while being kind of a brat to Katie at the beginning, mm-hmm. he does come through in the end, and there he also is. he also wins the Gryffindor Seeker of the Year Award for being able to spot Katie's tooth yep. like a snitch. Yeah, he found it twice. Yeah, uh, three times, I think. Three? Well, because no, he uh, saw it on the elevator floor after the crash. Yeah. And picked it up, pocketed it. Then yep. later on, after he gassed out to do tractor beam job, uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's next to the ship, and I'm going to go into the ship. But first, yoink. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so, he, he did a lot. But here's the thing. Uh, everyone in this issue did great yeah, work. I mean, yeah. it, it's hard to pick a, a best kid, and conversely, a, 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 the worst kid, because everybody did stuff, and everybody did great stuff. Right. Yeah. But who did you choose as your worst? Oh, Katie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep, I yeah. did too. Yeah, all right. We're on the same page with these. <laughs> yep, I, I. She may have been instrumental in many parts of the story, but she just kept getting lucky when she wasn't causing accidents. There was that, and she did cause a lot of accidents. A lot of accidents. Like yeah. I did something good. Now I'm burning a hole through the floor. Yeah, and falling and endangering myself. And now Katie's got to go on because I'm freaked yeah. out. I'm sh- shooting power balls up through the hole I just made at my brother's and. Luckily, punching. Luckily, yeah, punching a hole in the wall. Seriously, kid, you have got into. to get some control. Yeah, eh, she's five, and they, they they even say in this, it's just like Katie. When Katie gets scared, she freaks out, and she just naturally throws off power balls because it's like a defense mechanism. Yep, she's a puffer fish of energy bolts. Yep, G force time. G force. Count time. the number of G's Alex drops during the comic and determine what the scientific equivalent would be. Okay, in this issue, Alex drops three G bombs. So three, one, two, three, and that is the equivalent. Yep, and that's the equivalent uh, G-force that the space shuttle encounters on uh, on reentry. Okay. Yep. So reentry and yeah, launch and reentry. So all right, that's what three Gs feels like. If and you, for those of you who have been on the space shuttle, will all the people that have been on the space shuttle please raise their hand? Oh, okay. We can count. Get your hand down, Jeff. Hi. I've seen a space shuttle. I've been to the Kennedy Space Center. That's as good as being an astronaut. I'm going to say because astronauts are cool and I love space. That's it. Okay, so we've got the, uh, three in this issue. The G-Force average for the four issues is uh, 3.25. And that's, hey, we're at the high G roller coaster range again. We're probably going to stick around sure. high G roller coasters for the average is kind of what it is. What? How many total has he dropped in four issues? In four issues, in Toto, we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and another one makes 13. 13. You know, we just lost about half of our listeners right there. Okay, for those of you that don't know what that is, just look up Electric Company Pinball on YouTube and you'll figure it out. <laughs> Except for the 13 part. That's my add-on to it. But 13 Gs is two times the G-force that a Formula One race car experiences in turns. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we are at race car level. We are double race car level. Double race car. All right. Double race car level. Yep. That brings us to top grades. We need to evaluate each issue against the rest of the series. So we are on number four now. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I don't have. The, I should have the list in front of us, but you don't. Uh, it is three one two. Three one two. And I'll start doing that from now on. Yeah, that's gonna start. <laughs> that's helping gonna start helping. Good. So where do we think that this goes? Oh, it's a re- it's a strong issue. I'm it's, saying it's a top shooter. It's a top shooter. It is first or second. It wraps up the first arc of the book. Yeah. Uh, the next issue is going to be a prologue. There's a lot of action going on. The kids are starting to put it all together. There's some great teamwork here. Lots of action. I got no problem with this being the top of the list. I will put this at one. I'm 
Yeah. I think we're, we're agreeing on yeah, that. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> much agreeing that this is... Uh, you yeah. are our new number one. Issue number four is our new number one. I, you have dethroned last week's champion of <laughs> three. I think it's going to start getting really interesting pretty soon here. But I, I, I like this. Well, no, it's not because I've run ahead a little bit. But yeah, I like this one a lot. Final thoughts on the beer. What did we think of this beer? You know, again, I'm not an IPA fan. Nope. But uh, for the bizarre, freaky, check out our website uh, for the image that is on this bottle... Uh, it's that I'll give it an extra star just for that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, honestly, it's not, uh, you know, it, it has a, a hop that kind of creeps up on you, but the more that you drink it, it kind of just like it metals out, metals out and it gets pretty good. Looking at the bottle here, it does say piney, resiny and heady. Yeah. And, and I think that that describes it pretty well. Yeah, um, that really does. It's got the piney taste. I'm, I think for me personally, I would say this is a good two and a half or for me. Two and a half. I'd go yeah. three. Okay, that's fine. I mean, yeah. I just, it's not bad. It's, well, it's, I'm calling it mediocre. Two and a half. Okay. Yeah, right. it, it's the standard Amazon rating of four, which mm. means that it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I don't think I've got too much to say about it. I, I It's another IPA. Yeah, it's an IPA. It's uh, actually, it's kind of cloudy. It almost looks like a Hefeweizen. Yeah. Yeah, so it looks like a little bit of an unfiltered beer. Uh, I don't think it is, but yeah, it's got a very you know standard beer. I, I look. will say this: it's got its it's it does have its own special taste. Yeah, it's different and than other a, IPAs that I've had. And at eight percent, nine or nine percent, yeah, alcohol. Yeah, kind of feeling that a little bit. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. That looks. So <laughs> if there's any problems with the podcast, it's because of the beer. Yes, not us. Not us. Not We're us. Prof- <laughs> we are professionals. Profe- I was going to say that, but I can't. So speaking of professionals. I think it's about time we kick this over to the only professional we actually have working on this entire podcast. Yep. My daughter. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I think uh, <laughs> if we have any draw at all, it's because of your seven-year-old who's not even here. Yeah. Let's kick this on over to our friends of the show, Rick and Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Daddy. How you doing? Good. So, what did you think of issue number four? It was great. It was great. What did you like about it? I did like a lot of parts, too. I, when she was, like, wiggling her tooth, I actually got kind of excited. You actually got kind of excited? Yeah, because she her tooth got out. You got excited because she lost her tooth? Yeah. Yeah? Why, did the, why were you excited about that? Because then she can get something from the tooth fairy. Oh, yeah? But something that's connected to that is the... Is the part that's at the end. Once when she got that coin. And who gave her that coin? Her grandfather, which was actually um, Whitey's father. Whitey was his only son. And so he wanted, since his son died, he wanted the, them to, to be his grandkids because now he was a little alone, lonely. Aw, that's kind of sweet, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what else did you like about this issue besides the Tooth Fairy and the and uh, the grandfather? Well, I liked it when the girls were like, well, it's only up to us to save, to save everyone. You liked it because the girls were uh, going to be the heroes of the story? Yeah. Yeah. That's why girls are awesome sometimes. You are completely correct, my dear. That is why girls are awesome. Looks like they're heading back to Earth, aren't they? Uh-huh. Do you think they're going to tell their parents that they have powers? I don't know. Would you tell us if you had superpowers? 
I think you guys would be surprised. Well, we'd be surprised, but would you tell us you had superpowers? Yeah. Yeah? What kind of superpowers do you want to have? Maybe thinking about skating powers, something. That skating. Skating powers? Yeah, it's like you have the power to make, to freeze stuff. It's kind of like that. Oh, Just to like freeze freezing stuff. freezing powers. So can I Elsa powers? <laughs> <laughs> Is that all you got to say? Mm-hmm. Okay. I love you, Carrie. Love you, too. Bye. I would like to encourage people to check out our website to view some of the panels we are talking about today, as well as checking out the picture of the beer that we used for this week as well. Also, please tweet about our show, share our Facebook page, or tell your friends. We rely on word of mouth to boost our signal. I really want to thank the people who have reached out to us with some of their thoughts and feelings on our first few episodes. Thanks to HMS Music, who pointed out on our website that I combined C.S. Lewis and Lewis Carroll which I did. C.S. Lewis wrote The Narnia Chronicles, and Lewis Carroll wrote Alice in Wonderland, and the much-mentioned The Hunt for the Snark. I shall do better next time. And thank you to everyone who advised us that our audio was too quiet. Uh, we, we know this now. We are working on it. We're really hoping that, uh, from, that it's going to be good now. But if it isn't, please tell us. And if it is good, also please tell us. And if it's bad, blame me. Yep. All right, we received a listener question this week, so let's get to that. The question was, will you take listener questions? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Jeff and Rick Present is recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick present all one word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Rick present dot wordpress.com. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our life. My wife, Cindy and our daughter, Carrie, my fiance, Hillary and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you, you. Until, until next week. week. Rumble, 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 our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Cyborg Ninja. Both pieces by Kevin McLeod at Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. And we're treated to an amazing onom- <laughs> onomata- onomatopoeia. Yep. I know this word. <clears throat> Try that again? <laughs> yeah. No, it okay. stands <laughs> as is. <laughs> One of her powerballs nails the ship's overabused control. Panel. I just think I just had a stroke. <laughs> Not that kind, the other kind. Do you smell toast? Always. <laughs> but then, in front of the window, an older pony beer. <clears throat> you were doing so well. I was. So well. And then hops. But then, in front of the window, an older pony boy appears. Kind of. Oh my god. Oh my god. Whoa. Dude. Did you just. Oh Jesus, man. That's curry and hops, baby. <laughs> oh. God. Welcome to Flavor Country. Oh, 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 I've seen stars. Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry, that wasn't supposed to blow that. Oh, son of a bitch. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. You think that's bad? I have to hear you complain about it. <laughs> I feel sorry for Hillary. <clears throat> All right.